Welcome to the UGA BCM podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the UGA BCM right on campus in Athens, Georgia. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. What are we doing this semester? We're going through the book of Galatians. Why are we going through the book of Galatians? Because Galatians is one of my favorite letters that Paul writes. And so when we started talking about the fact that last semester we talked about Christ, and this semester we talk about the church, we said, hey, let's look at one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church. And so one of my favorite letters is Galatians. Matter of fact, uh, what we know from uh, church history and what we know from those who study God's word is that this, by, or that this letter uh, is likely the first letter that Paul actually wrote that is included in the Bible. Now you may say, well, it's not the first one in order. I get that. But understand that the way that Paul's letters are ordered are very simple. First of all, you have the letters that he wrote to the churches, and then you have the letters that he wrote to individuals. And here's what we did back when, back in the day when they were putting the Bible in some sort of organizational structure instead of just a whole bunch of letters and scrolls and all this stuff. Uh, they said, letters to the churches from Paul, let's put them in order of longest to shortest. <laughs> letters to the individuals from Paul, let's put them in order from longest to shortest. Okay, so they're not chronological in the order that they're in in Scripture. However, what we know is that the, the letter to Galatia uh, was actually likely the first one that Paul writes. So I think I wrote. So I think that's pretty neat. The other thing about this is that it's written to a group of churches in Galatia because there's multiple cities there. This is modern-day Turkey, and so there in Galatia, we've got Iconium, we've got Lystra, we've got Derby, and we've got Antioch. The other interesting thing about this letter is that Paul writes it very quickly after he was there setting up the church to begin with. So, so Paul uh, founded these churches and set these churches up, and he was visiting there from about 48 to 49 A.D., and some church uh, theologians or some biblical scholars tell us that he actually wrote this letter in 49 AD. Other folks tell us that he wrote it somewhere between 54 and 56 AD. Either way, what's interesting about this letter is, is that Paul typically begins his letters and he's very uh, complimentary and he talks about the good things that they've done and, he, and, he, and he's very nice and flowery at the beginning and then he begins to dig down into what's going on. That's not the case at the, uh, with, with the churches in Galatia. Uh, matter of fact, there is nothing, as you'll see when we jump into this, that Paul does to smooth out anything he's going to say from the get-go. Instead, what Paul does in this letter is he immediately jumps into a major issue that this church has. And so it's amazing to me, and it's one of the reasons it's one of my favorite letters, how quickly it was after Paul left that these guys got themselves in a mess. And ultimately, the mess that they got themselves into is what we're going to talk about the entire semester the, on the weeks that I'm preaching. And that is simply this is that there were those who had followed Paul into Galatia and they began to teach at the churches that, that for someone to be considered a true Christian, a true believer, that they had to follow the Mosaic law. They also had to, to, to follow Judaism. And so what Paul does is Paul lays out for them a bunch of really, really, really good arguments and, and says, no, quit listening to all the garbage that everybody's telling you. If Jesus Christ died for you and he was buried and he rose three days later, then the truth of the matter is, is if you've given him your heart and life, if he saved your soul, then the bottom line is, is that you are free. That you're free. You're free from uh, the, 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 the chains of the law and, and, and having to follow all those mosaic things. And, and he talks a lot about circumcision as an example of that. And, and he says, but you're, hey, you're also free. That means you're free from the bondage of sin. Right? You're free. And so what I want us to see through this semester is this, 
is that so many times what I believe happens in the lives of Christians and, and the lives of all of us is that we live a life, if we're not careful, in which we say, man, Jesus has saved me and I'm going to go spend eternity in heaven one day. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live my life in such a way that, that it still seems like I'm bound to these things of either my past, to the mistakes that I've made, or, or, or I'm bound to some legalistic sort of setup of this means i got to do A, B, C, D, and E to make sure everybody thinks I look good on the outside and all these types of things. And what Paul tells us very clearly and what God's Word tells us very clearly is if you are in Christ, we know the Bible tells us that we are a new creation. But if we are in Christ and we're a new creation, that also means that we are free. The Bible tells us who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. And so my prayer for all of us as we go through this, this semester is to understand that, listen, God's called us to live a life of freedom. And that we'll realize what that looks like and what that means and we'll begin to apply it to our lives and we'll begin to live differently. So with that said, let's begin reading in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now, I want you to jump down to verse 10 with me, if you will. So Paul talks about what they're doing. We'll go to that in a minute. But then he says in verse 10, for, I, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my formal manner of the life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you tonight as we look at your word that you'll help us to see what's going on here in Galatia and the issue that's at hand. And you'll help us to see why it is that they needed to listen to Paul and what it is that Paul was basing everything upon. And Lord, help us recognize even tonight, even as we're just jumping into the introduction of this letter, Lord, how it is that you have called us to live a life of freedom. And so, Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing I want you to see about this letter that Paul's writing is Paul's power. Paul makes it a point to point out his power. Uh, he says here in verse 1 through verse 5, and then again in verse 10 through verse 12. Don't know why I read 13. Got a little ahead of myself right there. He says that his power and authority is not his own. If you read those verses, what he says there is he says... I'm an apostle, he says, but not through the agency of man, but through who? In verse 1, he says, through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And then he says, he reminds us what God did. God raised Jesus from the dead. He says in verse 3, he says, grace to you and peace from who? Does he say from Paul? Does he say from me? No, he says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once again, reminds us what Jesus did. Jesus gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And then he jumps down there in verse 10 and 11 and he talks about the gospel that he's preaching. It's not something he made up. It's not something he came up with on his own, but it was received through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is telling us here, and he's telling the churches in Galatia very clearly, and that is, is that his power is not man-made. 
But ultimately, his power comes from God through Jesus. And this power is important because it's the same power that Paul is using to address the church is the same power that saves us from our sin, that rescues us from our sin. And that can take place because that power is the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. It is because of that power that Paul says he doesn't have to worry about what man says and what man thinks. It is because of that power that Paul says he is ultimately a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think just very quickly with me, if you can, about your life, about the people that you've interacted with. Think about your own walk with Jesus Christ or those who you've interacted with and you've seen them have a walk with Jesus Christ that in your eyes is impressive. I want you to think about your own for just a second. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where maybe you're dealing with a sin or a temptation in your life? And so you come up with a plan of how you're going to overcome that. And so you come up with everything that you're going to do. And so what happens is, is man, you take off and for those first few days, listen, things are going good, right? Things are going good. But then before long, what happens is, is that you get back into just kind of normal life and you forget about some of those things you said you were going to do. And if you're not careful, if you just, whoa, that is loud. I'll come over here. I walked too far, didn't I? If that, if you're not careful, what will happen is, is that you'll get back into the normalcy of life and you'll begin to just rely on your own power to overcome whatever that sin or that struggle, or that temptation is in your life. And some of you sitting here tonight have been there. And what happens in that moment where you begin to rely on your own power? What happens? What happens? You blow it, right? You fall short. You fail. That's what happens. You pick the sin. You pick the temptation. You know what your struggle may be as you're sitting there today. And you know that if you try to do something in your own power, you will fall short. You'll fall short. Listen. Those eight folks that are going on the mission field this summer, and I know there's more than that even in this room that are going to work different camps and go different places and so forth. You try to get through those summers, especially some of you doing longer trips, especially some of you that are working all summer in different ministries and so forth. Try to get through it in your own power and see what happens. You'll come back in August and you'll be exhausted. You'll come back in August and we won't see you. You'll come back in August and you'll be like, I had to make a choice because I didn't have the bandwidth to do what I needed to do. And so I had to give something up. And in reality, it's because you were trying to do everything in your own power instead of relying on the power of God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. You begin to rely on the power of God in your life, you can do a whole lot more than you think you can. You begin to rely on the power of God in your life. All of a sudden, when you begin to speak with that person that's sitting next to you in class, that you know, you, you know, man, I need to have a gospel conversation with this individual. You know, man, I need to take them to coffee or I need to take them to lunch so I can share with them Jesus. You, you, you rely on the power of God in your life. All of a sudden, you'll have the words to say. Instead of wimping out in that moment and turning the other way. What we do so many times is we get ourselves in a mess, particularly in dealing with difficult situations and circumstances, because we try to rely on our own power. And what Paul says is, hey, before I jump into this thing and I tell you all the terrible, stupid things that you're doing as churches, because that's really what he's about to do, okay? He says, listen, I'm not telling you this in my own power. I didn't come to you preaching the gospel in my own power. 
I didn't travel around modern-day Turkey planting church after church after church in my own power. He said, no, it was because there was a revelation of God that was given to me through Jesus Christ. He says, it is because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power with which I preach His Word. If you were to share with somebody today why it is that you're here in this room. If you were to share with somebody today why it is you want to serve on leadership. If you were to share with somebody tonight how it is that you're going to share the gospel with a friend. Or how it is that you're going to live a life of holiness set apart from the things of the world. Would you say that you're doing it based on God's power? Hear me and hear me clearly tonight. If he had enough power to raise Jesus from the dead. If he had enough power to secure you and to save you out of the midst of your sin. Doesn't he have enough power to help you go through the things of this life and to live for him and to minister on his behalf? Absolutely. Absolutely. We see Paul's power, but it's not Paul's power. It's God's power. But then we see in verse 6 through 9, the church's problem. The church's problem. Notice what they were doing. In verse 6, he says, remember, he doesn't say, hey, I heard you're doing good things. He didn't say, hey, thanks for sending me money. No, he didn't do any of that. He did that in other letters. No, in this one, he goes, hey, by the way, the power I'm writing you do this about, hey, it's from Jesus. It's from God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. It's from Jesus who's saved you through the work that he's done on the cross for you. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> guess what? I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? He literally starts out and he says, hey, here's the deal. He says, I'm not beating around the bush. He said, you got a big problem. And the big problem simply is this, is that you have bought into something that's contrary to the gospel. That's what he says. He says, you have bought into something that's contrary to the gospel. Paul spent zero time giving praise, thanksgiving, or acknowledgement for anything good the Galatians have done. Do you think this church had never done anything good? I mean, these churches have been planted and there's multiple churches and what we see is present-day Turkey today. And, and Paul's writing this letter back to these churches that still exist after he helped to plant them and found them. You would think he could have found something good to say. You know why he didn't spend time talking about something good? It's very simple. Because it was such a significant issue that they were facing. Because it was literally an issue that was contrary to the gospel. See, what had happened is, is that these Judaizers had came in and told them, hey, listen, here's what we need to do. We need to add something to the gospel. We need to take what Jesus did and say that it's not enough because what we need to do is say, hey, you need Jesus plus something else. Now look, let's be honest about it. Does that happen today? It does, doesn't it? Matter of fact, today what we see is both sides of the coin. Today we see one group that comes in and says, hey, you need, to, you need to not only give your heart and life to Jesus, right? You need to not only know him as Lord and Savior. You need to not only have committed your life to him, but hey, on top of that, you need to, you pick what comes next, right? 
On the flip side of that, we have those that say, hey, here's the deal. Anything goes. Right? Anything goes. If you miss the gospel on one side, you end up with legalism. If you miss the gospel on the other side, you end up with liberalism. Both of those, both of those are contrary to the gospel. Because anything that isn't the gospel that teaches more or less than the gospel is contrary to the gospel. And that was such an important thing that Paul doesn't beat around the bush. Look at what he says these false teachers were doing. He said that they were disturbing the individuals there in the churches. He says that they were deserting Christ. He literally says, he says, you as a church, you churches have so quickly deserted him who called you by the grace of Christ. Not only were they deserting Christ, but it says that they were distorting the gospel of Christ. And he says when you desert Christ and you distort the gospel of Christ, he says you are literally damned by God. That's what that word accursed means. It's also the word anathema. It means literally to be detested and loathed. And it means to be destined for destruction. In the Old Testament, something that was anathema was something that had been set apart for sacrificial offering or dedication, but yet had been returned to its profane use. And when it was returned to its profane use, it was no good for anything anymore, and it could only be destroyed. So here's Paul literally telling these churches that he founded, if you're deserting Christ and you're distorting the truth, the people that have caused you to do that, he says, literally are accursed. That word literally means damned. What it means. What it means. Sometimes I think the beginning of verse 6 in chapter 1 If Paul was here in 2024 today, sometimes I feel like that might be how he would start his conversation with a whole lot of us. How quickly you've deserted the gospel or deserted Christ and distorted the gospel. We live in a world that says everything goes, don't we? We live in a world that says truth is relative, don't we? You, you study on a campus where all of a sudden, I mean, let's be, honest, let's be honest. Can I be honest about it? Can we just be honest about it? Can we just put our feelings at the door for a second and be honest about it? Can we? Okay, good. Some of you that are brand new in here tonight, y'all about to be like, woo, man what I step into. But I'm just going to be transparent and honest. We live in a world and we do ministry on a campus where you can decide what your identity is. And you can put the adjective of that identity in front of you as a Christian. And think it's okay. 
what you can do. You can decide whether you're male or female. Yeah. I mean, that's what you can do. Am I wrong? And by the way, if you say anything about it, I mean, you're just a bigot. You're just full of hate. Right? The Bible says very clear things about certain things in this world, right? And we live in a world that has taken what is truth and what it's done with truth is it said, uh, you have your truth, I have my truth. Make sure you get an opportunity to tell your truth now. I've never understood that one. I just never have. Does it make a lot of sense to me? Hey, did you know what the world says? What color is this jacket? Somebody tell me the color of this jacket. No, it's not. Today it's green. You know why it's green? Because that's my truth. Dag nabbit, that's my truth. And if you don't like it, I'll just fire you. So here's what the deal is. The rest of the night, you better call my jacket green when you interact with me. Because otherwise, you're not being loving and gracious. And you know what Paul would say to us today? Paul would say, how quickly you've deserted the truth. How quickly you've distorted the gospel. What'd he say? What'd he say? We see Paul's power. We see the church's problem. And then I want you to see thirdly tonight, Paul's personal testimony. So what gave Paul the right now, I understand we said his power, and it wasn't his power, it came from Christ. But what gave Paul the right? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Are there times in life where you have to speak up and confront things that are contrary to the gospel? Yeah. We literally had a whole panel about that last semester, did we not? In one particular issue, right? And we ended that panel with the entire conversation about that anything that allows you to find your identity in anything other than Christ is contrary to what? The gospel. Right? That's, what we, that's where we concluded, wasn't it? So how then can you be as bold as Paul without just being a jerk? Because by the way, I, like there are some that say that Paul was just a male chauvinistic jerk, by the way. Did y'all know that? Right? There's some that say that. Okay? Matter of fact, I had to read a book in seminary. It's one of my favorite books ever. I loaned it out to somebody and I've never gotten it back. So if it's one of you I loaned it out to, you should give it back to me so I can loan it out to somebody else. Okay? Uh, and it said, it, the, the title of the book was, Was Paul a Male Chauvinistic Jerk? That was the title of the book. And the entire first half of the book is one of the awesomest things I've ever read in my life. All right? Because the first half of the book laid out every, like, reasonable argument for how Paul was a male chauvinistic jerk. That's what the entire first half of the book did, right? You ever met somebody that doesn't like some of the things Paul said about certain things in the Bible and, and they like to try to like contrast him with what Jesus says somewhere and all this kind of stuff? You ever met somebody like that, right? Or, or they, try to, they try to be like, yeah, but that Paul guy, we don't really want to listen to his, his, it's really just about the gospels and Jesus, right? Okay, and so this book literally for like the whole first half of it was just like, man, Paul's a, Paul's a punk, 
Paul had no filter. Paul was mean to people. Paul was sarcastic. Paul hated women. Like, just the whole thing, right? Right? Paul said women couldn't stand up in the church and speak. Like, I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, that's the whole direction it goes. And then the second half of the book was amazing. Because the second half of the book was basically like, if you say the stuff that's in the first half of the book, you're being intellectually dishonest, and here's why. And it laid out scripturally every argument Paul made, and it contextualized those arguments to explain the churches he was dealing with and the situations he was dealing with. And, and it even went through and, and saw how that some of the things he said actually aligned exactly, it almost were, not almost, were literally like repeats of what Jesus had said. And it was great. So you may be sitting here tonight and just be like, well, you know, Paul was a male chauvinistic jerk, right? And so Paul's going to, of course, be hard about some things. But I want you to notice what Paul does. What Paul does is Paul recognizes and realizes that relationships matter. That's what he does. He recognizes and he realizes that relationships matter, and he recognizes and realizes that personal experience matters. And so what he does is, is he lays out for them really his personal testimony. And it's really cool. I'll read it to you just very quickly. Verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Now, by the way, Paul had spent time there with them, like over a year with them, right? And so ultimately, did Paul have to tell them all this? No, Paul's reminding them. And he says, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. So Paul says, listen, he says, when I had my Damascus Road experience and when God called me out, he said, I didn't immediately just go and ask other men what I should teach and preach and all that stuff, right? That's what he says. He says, then in verse 18, then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas. That's Peter, by the way. He's going to talk about Peter in chapter 2, all right? Him and Peter have a little conflict in chapter 2. Peter wasn't being consistent. That's all we'll say about that tonight. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. So he says to him, he says, hey, he name drops a little bit, right? He says, here's what happened to me. I was persecuting Christians. God called me out. He said, I, I, I was making sense of everything. I ended up going up to Jerusalem three years later. He says, and there I interacted with Peter. I interacted with James. And he said, I promise you I'm not lying. He says in verse 21, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, there we go, something like that. I did that wrong. Should have just said it like I knew it. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing. Man, this is awesome. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. So, so here's what Paul has done. Paul is reminding them, Right, that, that, uh, that he's reminded them already in these first verses about the gospel that he's preached to them. And so when he says, I've preached to you and those kind of things, number one, here's the deal. Paul, they knew Paul personally. Right? They, they knew Paul personally. But not only did they know Paul personally, but Paul's story is just insane. Paul is about to take on the Judaizers 
who are telling them everything they have to do according to the law so that they can actually be a true Christian. And Paul says, hold on just a second. Do you not remember who I was? Paul says, I was a persecutor. This is the Paul that was at the stoning of Stephen, right? Paul says, I was pious and I was progressing according to the Jewish law. He says, I was moving up the ladder. But something happened. God stepped in. Right? Damascus Road experience, right? The story of Paul, right? He goes blind. Right? Jesus basically confronts him. He's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Hello? And, and then, then Paul's told to, to go to a man's house. And, and, and then they begin to, to, to explain kind of everything that's going on. And, and, and so Paul begins to preach. And, and, and all of a sudden, we, we know that, that Paul's travelings and preachings, especially, especially if you go look in Acts, they weren't the easiest in the world, right? Because Paul had a tendency to go into cities, into towns, and begin to preach that which was contrary to what the Jewish law was being taught in the synagogues. And they had to do things like lower Paul out of towns over walls in baskets. Right? Like Paul got beat one time and left for dead. Right? And so what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, if you want proof that what I'm saying is true, just look at my life. These teachers are going to come in and they're going to say things to you that don't make any sense according to the gospel. But you're going to buy it because they're going to come in and name drop. And you're going to buy it because it's going to be multiples of them coming in and rolling through town. And you're going to buy it because they're going to be good speakers. And you're going to buy it because some of you are going to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like the Jewish law. And yeah, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, he was a Jew. So yeah, this is perfect. Paul says, Stop. If it is contrary to the gospel, stop. Stop. Listen to me. And by the way, I'm not preaching of my own power. I'm preaching of the power of God himself. And by the way, if you want proof of that, look at my life. Because in my life, I went from a persecutor literally to a preacher. Literally to a preacher. We're not going to show the video today because I knew this was going to go a while. Um, but next week, when you come here, you're going to have an opportunity to watch a video of a guy named Joshua Broom. Joshua Broom is coming March 25th. We're going to be at Tate. All of our churches are going together. We're going to be at Tate. We're going to pack the thing out. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And Joshua Broom's story is amazing. I don't want to steal everything from what you're going to see next week, but what I'll tell you is this. Joshua Broom was literally an award-winning adult film star. Did over a thousand films in six years. Went to Hollywood to make it famous. And he made it famous, but in the wrong areas. Joshua Broom talks about how that he had a different name and how that everyone knew him by his different name. And he talks about an event that happened to him where someone actually called him by the name Joshua. And it was literally the first time in months that anyone had actually called him his real name. 
And Joshua talks about how that he was just embarrassed about what he was doing and how he'd won this award and he thought that was going to be man it and it just it didn't pan out. Like he still just was empty. So Joshua left the film industry, the adult film industry. And then Joshua got his life right with Jesus. He ended up getting married, having kids, all this awesome stuff happened to him. And now do you know what Joshua does? One, he travels the world preaching. And he's going to be here. And he's going to preach. And it's going to be amazing. But two, he travels the world speaking on the dangers of the adult film industry. And he has provided resources for those who struggle with addiction to pornography. Do you know why that Joshua Broom has been able to get such a ear of those literally in Congress and other places around the world in regard to this particular issue? Because the power that he's doing it by is not his own. It's the power of God. Do you hear me? And because of his own personal testimony, he didn't go from a persecutor to a preacher. He went from a porn star to a preacher. You see what I'm saying? How do you question that? Why am I telling you that? Because listen, do you know one of the reasons that I truly believe that sometimes we have such a hard time sharing our faith with others and impacting the world around us and impacting lostness around us and spreading the gospel around us? I truly believe it's because our personal testimonies are garbage. Can you determine when someone's authentic or not pretty well most of the time? And when someone is genuine and authentic, you listen to them, don't you? You at least give them an ear, don't you? Paul is about to deal with a very difficult topic for these churches. He's calling them out. But he lays out for them in these verses, from verse 13 through verse 24, everything that had taken place in his life, or a snapshot at least of what had taken place in his life, because he is validating what he's about to tell them based on his own personal testimony and his own authenticity. So how in the world does this apply to you? We live in a world that has deserted and distorted the gospel. And the only way that we will make a gospel difference the only way that we will truly do anything that puts a dent in the lostness of this world is if we do it through the power of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead by God the Father and if our personal testimony doesn't have to be some Damascus Road experience from a persecutor to a preacher or from a porn star to a preacher, but it, it's got to be real and authentic. It's got to be genuine question i'm going to ask you tonight is this do you want to make a difference do you want to confront the lostness of this world head on in the same way that paul confronted the issue there in galatia head on 
If you want to see your friends who are dying and going to hell be saved and spend eternity in heaven with you one day, the answer to that should be yes. And if the answer to that is yes, then here's the bottom line. Bottom line is, guess what, guys? You can only do it through the power of God. And you can only do it through an authentic, genuine, personal testimony of the difference that God has made in your life. That's the truth. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to know more about us, visit our Instagram at UGABCM or visit us on our website at UGABCM.org. We hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.